still peered fearfully into the gloomy garden until the other man dragged him roughly towards the house. "'Of course it was the wind,' he muttered angrily. "'For heaven's sake, Zabalev, don't get the jumps. "'If you will insist on coming to an infernal place like this "'to transact a little perfectly normal business, "'you must expect a few strange noises and sounds. "'Let's get indoors. "'The others should be here by now. "'It oughtn't to take more than an hour, "'and you can be on board again long before dawn.' The man who had been addressed as Zabolev ceased looking over his shoulder and followed the other through a broken-down lattice gate to the rear of the house. They paused in front of the back door, and on it the leader knocked three times in a peculiar way. It was obviously a prearranged signal, for almost at once stealthy steps could be heard coming along the passage inside. The door was cautiously pulled back a few inches, and a man peered out, only to throw it open wide with a faint sigh of relief. "'It's you, Mr. Waldock, is it?' he muttered. "'Glad you've got here at last. This place is fair giving us all the ump.' "'Evening, Jim,' he stepped inside, followed by Zabalef, and the door closed behind them. "'Our friend's boat was a little late. Is everyone here?' "'Yep,' answered the other. "'All the six of us, and I reckons we'd like to get it over as soon as possible. Has he, um... His voice sank to a hoarse undertone. "'Has he brought the money?' "'You'll all hear in good time,' said Waldock curtly. "'Which is the room?' "'Here it is, Governor,' Jim flung open a door. "'And you'll have to sit on the floor as the chairs ain't safe.' Two candles guttered on a square table in the centre of the room, showing up the faces of the five men who sat on the floor leaning against the walls. Three of them were nondescript specimens of humanity of the type that may be seen by the thousand hurrying into the city by the early business trains. They were representatives of the poorer type of clerk, the type which woodbinds its fingers to a brilliant orange, the type that screams insults at a football referee on Saturday afternoon. And yet to the close observer something more might be read on their faces. A greedy, hungry look, a shifty, untrustworthy look— the look of those who are jealous of everyone better placed than themselves, but who are incapable of trying to better their own position except by the relative method of dragging back their more fortunate acquaintances. The look of little men dissatisfied not so much with their own littleness as with the bigness of other people. A nasty-faced trio with that smattering of education which is the truly dangerous thing. And three of Mr. Waldock's clerks. The two others were Jews, a little flashily dressed, distinctly addicted to cheap jewellery. They were sitting apart from the other three, talking in low tones, but as the door opened their conversation ceased abruptly, and they looked up at the newcomers with the keen, searching look of their race. Waldock they hardly glanced at. It was the stranger Zabolev who riveted their attention. They took in every detail of the shrewd foreign face— the olive skin, the dark, piercing eyes, the fine-pointed beard. They measured him up as a boxer measures up his opponent, or a businessman takes stock of the second party in a deal. Then once again they conversed together in low tones, which were barely above a whisper. It was Jim who broke the silence, Flash Jim to give him the full name to which he answered in the haunts he frequented. "'What about getting on with it, Governor?' he remarked, with an attempt at a genial smile. "'This here house ain't what I'd choose for a bloomin' honeymoon.' With an abrupt gesture, Waldock silenced him and advanced to the table. "'This is Mr. Zabalev, gentlemen,' he said quietly. 
"'We are a little late, I am afraid, but it was unavoidable. "'He will explain to you now the reason why you were asked to come here, "'and not meet at our usual rendezvous in Soho.' "'He stepped back a couple of paces, and Zabalev took his place. "'For a moment or two he glanced round at the faces turned expectantly towards him, "'then resting his two hands on the table in front of him, "'he leaned forward towards them. "'Gentlemen,' he began, and the foreign accent seemed a little more pronounced. I have asked you to come here tonight through my good friend Mr. Waldock, because it has come to our ears, no matter how, that London is no longer a safe meeting place. Two or three things have occurred lately, the significance of which it is impossible to disregard. What sort of things? interrupted Flash Jim harshly. I was about to tell you, remarked the speaker suavely and Flash Jim subsided abashed.